previously in the R2AK Daily Fix by Boldly Went. The winners are in, the steak knives have been won, and the pack is more than halfway home. I'd say the cool thing when you think about the action in general is the constant lead changes that's been going on. And we filled with water quicker than either of us really ever thought could happen. And had to sail with the whole boat underwater for, I don't know, a couple hundred, a mile. Suddenly he said he had no helm and looked back and the rudder had snapped 90 degrees sideways. Well, we did a little soul searching and we decided that the reason that we entered this race was to test our own metal and to see if we could be self-reliant. We finally got word that Team Angry Beaver, after having run in second behind pear-shaped racing for much of the race, had pulled out the wind and reached Ketchikan at 2.56 p.m. Alaska time, winning the race. Welcome back to the R2AK Daily Fix by Boldly Went. I'm Angel Mathis, and I'm coming to you from the cold seas off the coast of Alaska. Today, I'm in Ketchikan, joining the race finishers and celebrating the early successes of all those who are already in. I, along with the rest of the media team, and probably most especially the race organizers, are eagerly waiting for the rest of the pack to hear what kind of crazy adventures people are having out there. This is a 14-part podcast following the 750-mile race to Alaska created and produced by Boldly Went Productions. This is episode 6 of 14 that chronicles the quest to win $10,000 in a non-motorized, unsupported boat race through the iconic Inside Passage. In previous episodes, the Boldly Went team has done our best to bring you along for the R2AK race start, introduce you to some of the teams, describe the key challenges facing the racers, and update you about the first teams to arrive in Ketchikan. Boldly Went is part of a big team of staff and volunteers dedicated to both making the race happen and telling you the story of the race to Alaska and the people who are crazy enough to enter. Today, we want to give you a rare peek behind the curtains to share a bit of the experience of what it's like for the people involved with this event who are not racing. You'll hear from everyone from the race boss to the media team to interns, volunteers, and even R2AK's biggest super fan for a full introduction to this adventure. I'm going to start with what I know best, the media team. While some of the team's footage seems miraculous to me, all the information you have available at your fingertips isn't actually a miracle from heaven. No, it's due to this nice drone that the film boss brought, and to the hard work of an extremely dedicated team that loves this race so much that it's unhealthy. 
They're out here hanging off decks, donning dry suits, popping Dramamine, and working crazy hours from the cabins of boats to make sure that the racers have a great experience and that you, the world, get doused by a giant wave of quality media that will allow you to be entertained, educated, and inspired by race participants' accomplishments while you're home enjoying a leisurely boat ride, sitting in your living room, nodding off to sleep at night, or, let's get real, procrastinating in your office cubicles. It's no easy feat to share experiences, images, and stories from a 750-mile race involving dozens of boats, especially when teams get spread across hundreds of miles of rough seas, and the first and last finishers complete the race up to three weeks apart. The media team itself is spread across multiple boats and offices at the home base of the Northwest Maritime Center, and some of us rarely see each other. It's really difficult to keep that many people coordinated and motivated, but luckily for us, race boss Daniel Evans loves nothing more than delivering a heartfelt pep talk. And luckily for you, we love nothing more than secretly recording people and posting it on the internet. So here's Daniel from the pre-race media team meeting, the only time that all of us were gathered together in one place. The race asks a lot, not just of the racers, but it asks a lot of us as well. You know, it's going to take your sleep, it's going to take your comfortability, it's going to take your heat away. It may take your electricity at bad times. But um, I just think that it's, it feels like a very magnetic team, so I'm just glad you're all here. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Daniel's a huge part of the heart behind this race, no doubt. But if there's one linchpin to the R2AK media team, it's Zach Carver, the film boss. Along with supervising the incredible video production that you all see on a daily basis, he organizes the logistics of moving literal boatloads of people around the inside passage across several weeks on multiple boats and figuring out how to keep them all fed, watered, and within range of internet access in the middle of the freaking wilderness. Zach manages a ton of moving parts, and here's just one example of a day in his life during R2AK. One day could just be checking in a lot and like planning ahead for travel and stuff. Another day could be, oh, the engine on one of our boats broke. That, that boat is now out of commission, so we've got to reassign these people to a small boat that gets driven to shore, and we call a taxi to go 50 miles from Nanaimo to Comox to find a volunteer that has a different boat so that they, she can trailer that boat another 30 miles up to launch those people to go up to Sea One Arrows and shoot the front runners. That's what happened, I think, yesterday. I'm not sure. So... Typical isn't existing. Zach's fingerprints are all over R2AK, and anyone who has followed this race is probably already familiar with his work, even if you're not already aware of it. When asked how long he's been doing it, he shot back. And how long have you been doing it? Since before the race ever started. Yeah, I started uh, in 2014 as we made the very first promo video for the race, uh, the sort of call to racers and uh, been doing it ever since. He's been coming back year after year since 2014, which means that every clip or video that you've seen about Race to Alaska is, at least in small part, an extension of Zach. A couple years ago, R2AK launched a film internship program, and this year the two interns on board are Erica and Elle. They spend almost all their time huddled together in deep thought, working to produce the clips of the day, which are short videos, less than five minutes, that give you the best possible visual of the race. 
I caught L. O'Brien and Erica Mellon during a rare moment when they were not on their computers or actively filming. They had just returned on the rib, thank support dinghy, soaking wet and shivering. I saw it as my chance to grab them before they reached their two-butted, cordoned-off section of the cabin for all-night editing. Here, L. describes the editing process as the engine hums in the background while we motored up the eastern coast of North Vancouver Island. The first clip we shot from, I'd say, 12 p.m. until 3.30. And then we had, that was four people shooting. And then we were editing from 3.30 p.m. until 12.30 a.m. And then from 5 a.m. until 12 p.m. So a good, a good chunk of hours. <laughs> That means for a two and a half minute video, the film crew poured in more than 40 hours of their time to make that happen for you. 40 hours. That's an entire work week for one person. And these clips are coming out every single day between June 6th and June 29th. Think about that for a minute. That's what this media team is doing for you. The least you can do is to make sure you're going to the R2AK website every day to watch these clips that they're pumping out for you. You'll like them too. Getting an internship with this race is a huge opportunity for up-and-coming filmmakers, and I asked Erica about how she and Elle made their way here. Okay, this is a good story, actually. So, about one year ago, I texted Elle and I said, hey, do you want to make a documentary about a sailing trip? And she was like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And Elle has more sailing experience than I do. I grew up teaching little lasers on little lasers and essays, but I don't have any offshore experience whatsoever. I just knew that I wanted to make a documentary together, and I knew that I wanted to be about boats Fast forward about nine months or so. The dream is still there, but both of us go to school full time, so it was really kind of hard to focus on how the hell to find a sailing crew and how the hell to make a documentary. But uh, we were planning on being up in Alaska anyways, so I was searching around Google for sailing internships. I was searching for filming internships. I was searching for internships for two people, and I was searching for ways to get up to Alaska, like flights or whatever. You know when you're just like Googling around and you're like, ah, I don't know, like what if I just put this combination or this combination, like what if I just, you know, who knows? Like I put all of them together into one Google search, not thinking anything would come up, and I pressed enter, and the first thing I saw was, sailing filming internship for two people up to Alaska and I was like Elle I know exactly what we're doing this summer <laughs> I knew at the moment we saw it that we would get it because it's just too perfect like I literally had all these tabs open and it was just a combination of all of them I also wanted to know how the selection process worked um, well it was on the race to Alaska website there was a little tab I think that was um it just said film internship, Race to Alaska film internship. And they had, I think you needed to provide three different short 
films or three different pieces of content that show your work. One has to be something you worked on together and a few short written pieces. I think one asked, why do you work well together? And Ella are like, well, hmm, let's see, we've been climbing partners. We've lived in a one person tent for a month. We, oh, we are both play different instruments in a punk rock band that we started. We heard back, I think a few weeks later, that we were the top two qualified groups. I think I screamed in the middle of class when Elle told me that, and everyone was like, what's going on? And I was like, nothing, nothing. Uh, I don't want to jinx it, nothing yet. But then we had a phone interview with Zach, and we were so nervous. We locked ourselves in a car, and we were like, okay, calm down, calm down, calm down. Oh, okay, this is the funny part. We were actually climbing, <laughs> and this whole crazy thing happened where Elle was trying to repel or something or throw the rope down and it got stuck on a ledge. And we were like, we have five minutes to get to this interview and we couldn't get the rope. And so I had this whole crazy cockamamie thing going on where Elle like jumped on my shoulders and I was holding her legs up and she was reaching up for this rope. And I was like, Elle, we have four more minutes before this interview, we can't be late. We can't be late. <laughs> She finally grabs at the last second. We book it to the car, like full on sprint. We're like, we just have to catch our breath before we talk to Zach so he doesn't think we're like some weirdos who are just like <laughs> immediately heavy breathing into the phone. <laughs> I've got news for Erica and Elle. They are weirdos. Everyone is who wants to be involved in the race to Alaska in the best way, though. I have no doubt that's one of the things that made Zach offer them the position. Still, I think there's an important message here that shouldn't be lost. So, I guess that's a lesson to first just Google, Google the crap out of what you want in life because you never know what you're going to find. And two, if you really want something and you put it out there, it will come back to you. All this content production in the field doesn't leave a lot of time for the people creating and producing it to spread it out to the world online, retweet racer posts, or de-escalate internet trolls. Those jobs fall to three other behind-the-scenes staff that are practically invisible to racers and fans because they're based in Port Townsend. But without them, you wouldn't be seeing any of these videos, podcasts, or pictures. I asked race boss Daniel Evans to tell us more about these invisible yet integral team members. That's our primary goal is to really get it out to as many people as possible in the most interactive and authentic way as possible. Um, then that we need these people in the background that <clears throat> are distilling and, and distributing all the content that we're finding. So Anika is our communications director and she actually she made the logo for race to alaska before she even worked for race to alaska and she made it for free because she knew she's like you all you need a good logo and all your ideas suck and so i'm going to do this for you so her heart's been in it from the very beginning made the logo a year or two later she kind of came on because she loved everything the maritime center does and so she is she's really like the the head of the orchestra and she really conducts how all the different parts kind of come together and the, where they get heard and it's it's really fantastic so you know as we kind of funnel all our information to her she's talking a lot with the media she's following the instagram the quality she's looking at our numbers up and down and then she works 
a lot with you know Kim Carver is another woman that handles our social media for Race to Alaska and has been for a while and she's a mariner she's even done the race and so it's been it's been great working with her and then Hallie is on that kind of the website end and more of the internet information as she gets that stuff out and so we've over the years I feel really lucky but over the years we've we've slowly been able to build all the positions that we really need to, to feel really effective. Interesting point that Kim is R2AK emeritus, and it got me wondering if that could explain why she does such a freaking awesome job with sharing out all of this content with you. Daniel had this to say. You know, I think one of the things that's really critical with all the people that are cre uh, creating and delivering this, this information, that they have a background in adventure and a background in fear. And it really comes down to it. I think that's the same with you, as a matter of fact in that people who have an understanding of what it is, is to push up against what you think is a boundary in your life and to figure out how to go past that. And Kim has done that time and time again in her life. So she has, this, she has an understanding of what we are talking about and trying to talk about. While this race is unsupported and racers are required to be entirely self-sufficient in their quest, there are still dozens of support staff and volunteers spread throughout the 750 nautical miles who are involved with pulling off the event. In Victoria, we managed to pull Carl Berger away from his official duties to talk to us about his experience on a support boat during stage one of the race. Well, we were one of, I think, six boats, and there was four of them that had positions that they patrolled, and two of us were just reserve or roamers. And it was just, just in the first phase, that if a boat was in trouble, we were there to help them. And uh, fortunately, we didn't have to help anybody mm -hmm. this time. And so after this, racers head up to Ketchikan North. And where do you go? We're going back to Port Townsend. So what does that mean for the racers? They are on their own. If they need help, they're going to have to find it themselves. We're just not going to be there. I think that's part of the it's part of the deal they make when they sign up for the race. So now I want to hear about what your experience was like. Was this fun? Would you do it again? Oh, good grief! We want to do it every year. We started actually over a week ago with two of the guys in Port Townsend that are vessel assist captains. One of them's now active Coast Guard in open water rescue, and they came to each of our boats and devised an individual customized rescue plan for Sockeye here and for all the other boats. And then we went out on the water last week and we did uh, live swimmer man overboard rescue techniques. And I think we rescued five times. We were five for five. We did have to make two approaches on, on one time, but uh, it was in preparation for what we, hopefully we wouldn't have to do. So that part of it was, as just a mariner, was a great experience. And then just to be able to be here if we needed was even you know, another great thing. For people listening, a strong word of caution here that just because a support boat or two exists in the Strait of Juan de Fuca, this doesn't imply safety. This is how Daniel Evans, race boss, puts it. You know, most of the time when people are falling over the, you know, off their boats, it's in pretty severe conditions. And no one, none of these people are trained for that. And, you know, so you know, this is a short training to help them become more efficient in their boat, but it does not turn them into search and rescue experts. And it's really important for people to know that, I guess. Like all good rock stars, the real reason that racers do what they do is for the fans. I assume anyway, I didn't ask them, 
But even if that's not true, we didn't want to end this episode without recognizing that there are a ton of people out there who follow this race and support racers from a distance, willing these inspiring weirdos forward to catch a can. Everyone loves being loved, and all of you out there listening and pulling for these folks are a huge part of the good feels that come along with this experience. On that note, multiple people who've been around the race for years insisted that we talk to Raylan, perhaps the race's number one super fan, about what the race means to her. Okay, so what is your name? My name is Raylan Maxwell. Raylan, and I have heard that you're kind of a legend around here. <laughs> and Daniel said you're, you've been around for all of the years of R2AK. And so our question is, why? What draws you to this? You know, I think it's just the energy of everyone's journey. So I'm not a legend. These It's everybody who does the race that are legends. But I've made just undeniable friendships, everlasting. But there's nothing like giving support and telling someone welcome and seeing the look on their face when they've just completed something that was somewhat scary, something challenging, life-changing. And I'm there in the presence when they're actually experiencing it all and it's quite addictive so that's why I come and a lot of people don't have families or friends that can come and meet them on the docks and I'm there to cook them a warm meal and throw a bonfire or have some wine and cheese on the docks the day before they set sail so it's just addictive. And so where do you see racers during the race? So I usually meet them in Port Townsend. I got a late start this year, but a lot of the boats and people, I really form friendships and my picks here in Victoria. And then I will follow them up to catch a can. So I'll meet them and catch a can. Will you catch up with people anywhere along the way? Or is that the next place that you can plan to see them for sure? Yeah, because I'm not on a boat. So I've had a couple of offers to go up with people. But honestly, if I did that, then I would miss people's arrivals. So, yeah, I just, I'm there. I make sure I'm there. But I'm going to miss a few this year just because of circumstances. But hopefully I, I catch my favorites because that's, I have a list. Uh-huh. <laughs> who, who are your favorites? Yeah, Give the Horns is my favorite. Um, I'm predicting a win from them. That's who I want. And then I have basically my heart category. <laughs> so north to Alaska, they were my darlings of 2017. So they're in the race this year again. And Seaforth Expeditions catapulted themselves into my heart category. Funky Dory, that's an easy one. With their late arrival in Victoria, I think they're everyone's uh, darlings of this year. So yeah, uh, I also, I have a few other favorites, but those, those are my first ones, yeah. I'm, I'm rooting for Razzle Dazzle too, just because Katie's a, a veteran and uh, I've always rooted for her. She's also just in my heart category, but she actually has probably the fastest boat she's ever had. So uh, who knows? She could come out a little further ahead than planned. But yeah, there's just a lot of this year. There's about four or five boats that are going to give it a run for first place. It looks like it. Super exciting. So I think that you seem like the kind of person that is just giving so much of yourself. And I'm just wondering, like, what should people know about you as a person? Who are you? And what's important to you? Well, I'm just a fan. Honestly, I discovered the race on Facebook. Woo! That's Funky Dory. They're the last one out of the hardware today. They were the last one in too. And they told me also that having people standing on the dock cheering for them made them extremely uncomfortable. So I'm sure that they're really feeling weird right now. 
Well, they were probably uncomfortable when they arrived, just because when you do a small craft like that, there's one thing that happens with the small craft people, the sailors, is that they... They've been alone, and their journey has been a lot more difficult. So an overabundance presence on the docks is usually freaks them out a little bit. But they still do like the cheering. I know you love that. <laughs> um, but in terms of me, I'm just a fan. I discovered the race uh, on Facebook. I decided I wanted to entrench myself. And that's it. I mean, it, it also inspired me to be a mariner myself. So, you know, I love sailing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I catapulted into the sailing world. So this race created a passion that I love, right? Not to mention it's chock full of fun, good humor, eclectic, eccentric, innovative, passionate people. And that's who I choose to surround myself with. And this this race brings out the best in all of those things. All these people are so cool, innovative, and just spunky and absolutely crazy. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> and it, the energy that you feed off in the docks when they're preparing, it's just really cool, you know? So it's really not about me. It's about them, really. Yeah. 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 Cool. Thank you so much. I'm glad we got to ch- chat with you. Raylin is a good representation of what makes this race special for so many people. And getting to know her feels like getting embraced into the R2AK community. That's all we have today. But before we go, I feel like I should make one final comment. If you're familiar with this race, I'm almost sure that you're interested in finding out who it is that writes all of the comedically brilliant content on the race website. And if you haven't seen it, what are you doing here? Go read it right now and thank me later. All I can tell you is that we've been told officially that it's an anonymous collective and that we shouldn't talk about the anonymous collective or even make eye contact if we see it in public. I can tell you this. That at midnight, a few months before the race, I was looking out of my hotel window in Port Townsend when I saw a group of shrouded figures open a manhole in an alley and dump in a barrel of raw meat. There was howling and smoke, and the next morning, pages and pages of brilliant racer profiles appeared on the website. I can't verify that the experiences were related, but I will say that the offices at Northwest Maritime Center always smell a little bit like sulfur. Speaking of things that smell, as participants of the R2AK head north, the smells wafting from boats are getting more and more pungent. Which reminds me that the Dirtbag Award is still up for grabs. More on that and other side bets next time. That's it for today's R2AK Daily Fix by Boldly Went. Huge thanks to Race to Alaska for bringing this crazy adventure into the world and all the crazy adventurers who are trying it and who are fodder for this podcast. Other thanks for this podcast are attributed to Uncruise Northwest Maritime Center. Daniel Evans, Zach Carver, Erica Mellon, L. O'Brien, Carl Berger, Ray Lynn Maxwell, Anika Colvin, Kim Carver, Hallie Glenn. Michaela Elias, audio editor and production assistant. Tim Mathis, lead writer. Episode production is by Boldly Went. Also, two, filmmakers, photographers, social media gurus, website managers, boat support crews, anonymous collectives, superfans, and 
the magic making it all happen. If you're still listening, thanks. Get all the daily details about the race to Alaska at r2ak.com. Get additional R2AK content and reporting from our website or link to the regular weekly Boldly Went podcast featuring the brief and true adventure stories by outdoorists of all kinds at boldlywentadventures.com. Follow us both on Instagram and Facebook at Race to Alaska and at Boldly Went Adventures. I'm Angel Mathis, proudly bringing you this podcast from the finish line in Ketchikan with the Race to Alaska. Ignite your adventure.